Well, let me show you around a little bit. So these are our ICUs. This has been our medical ICU for as long as I've been here. This is Dr. Samir Kanijo, director of the respiratory care unit at North Shore. And they just, because the COVID time, started to put doors on all these rooms in case it comes back so that, you know, initially when we had flexed out of here, we had had to leave this unit and go to other units where there were mm-hmm. doors and the hope for negative pressure rooms. Um, not every place had negative pressure rooms. In some places we were just in large openings and the doors were closed so that hopefully nothing would get in or out. But again, so these are all brand new. Yeah, these doors, a lot of them are brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of part of the preparation for the next Mm-hmm. I visited North Shore back in October, one of a few visits I did to Long Island hospitals this fall to get a sense of how the hospitals were preparing for that surge that's now here. Some of the preparation was really concrete, like the new doors for patient rooms that Dr. Kanijo is talking about. The other reason I wanted to visit these hospitals was to see what the inside of Long Island COVID wards looked like at this stage in the pandemic, how the doctors and nurses and patients in those units are coping. I was able to do this because some overworked hospital staff agreed to let me shadow them. You are, um, I've got an yeah. I'm Mark Chisano, and this is episode 37 of Life Under Coronavirus, Newsday Opinion's oral history of the pandemic. With a wave of the coronavirus resurging here in New York, we wanted to bring back the podcast and look at how hospitals are faring months into the pandemic with a vaccine on the horizon. To go into the COVID ICUs like this one at North Shore, I followed critical care specialist Dr. Sean Dar on his rounds and agreed not to take pictures and to turn off my recorder in patient rooms. But it was immediately obvious how sick the patients were, not just because they were sedated and on ventilators and feeding tubes, but because of something called proning. Why are the ones upside down? Is that a... probably heard like proning, like the word you turn the person. Oh, I see. Okay. So you rotate it. Proning is a process that doctors are finding to be really helpful during the pandemic, but it shows the lengths we have to go to keep people alive. Proning patients means flipping them on their stomachs for 16, 17, 18 hours a day to help get better performance from their lungs. One of Dr. Dar's patients was being proned during that visit. He was an older man and his head was balanced on a pillow. The pillow hung a little off the bed and so part of the man's head dangled slightly with it, just past the sheets. He faced the windows with his eyes closed, and a part of his upper back had become bared. It's a common position. In November, I visited the COVID ICU at Long Island Jewish Medical Center, and I saw a woman in her early 30s who was being proned as well. She was much younger than the man at North Shore, but she still needed the help for her lungs. She'd recently moved to New York from Eastern Europe, and she'd gone into the hospital having trouble breathing. She and her husband didn't speak English fluently and didn't understand how she could have contracted coronavirus. They didn't socialize much and didn't know many people in the country. Within hours of arriving at the hospital, she was put on a ventilator and sedated, flipped after 18 hours. Next to the young woman in LIJ was another patient who also needed proning. A fellow observing that patient said very soberly, I'll prone him until he's better or dead. The hopeful side of all this is that doctors have learned a lot and made changes since the spring. That includes the new doors I saw on patient rooms at North Shore and the proning position being used across the island. Proning is something that we've been doing for a long time, um, probably six or seven years. There was a landmark article in the New England Journal probably six years ago or so um, from France that showed that proning in ARDS, uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome, changes mortality by 36%. This is Dr. Mengele Narasimhan, 
Northwell Health's Director of Critical Care. And it was proning for 17 hours at a time. So you stay on your belly for 17 hours at a time. So that study um, really changed a, a lot of things that we do for patients with a, you know, respiratory distress syndromes. Proned, sedated patients also need special remedies to prevent skin breakdown. That woman in her early 30s at LIJ had padding on her forehead for that reason. It adds to the unsettled look, even though all this can help keep people alive and breathing better. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's an interesting site for people because, again, you know, um, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, people are used to when they're coming to visit someone uh, in the hospital, seeing their loved one, you know, laying on their back. This is Jerry Rubano from Stony Brook. You know, even if they have a, they have a breathing tube and a ventilator and you look like you're, you know, staring into, into someone's face, at least. Uh, when you prone someone, it's even shocking for some of the, the staff members who hadn't seen it before because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're laying on their, their stomach. You can't see the things that you normally see. Uh, we make sure to prevent them from getting ulcers and things on their face, that everything's uh, especially padded. Um, and, you know, they are sort of uh, looking off to, off to one side. It's, um, you know, and then you still have the same number of, of lines and tubes and things coming out of these very sick patients, um, but they're coming from, you know, sort of the opposite direction of what we're normal, normally used to seeing. Most people aren't seeing the inside of COVID units these days because of patient privacy rules and also the fact that when case numbers are up, there are no visitors unless someone is actively dying. That means there may not be a full sense of the suffering of patients in these units, like one woman whose room I was in at North Shore, whose lung had collapsed. You could hear the burbling sound of a machine sucking out the fluid. But the lack of insight into COVID ICUs also means we miss some of the little pieces of how doctors and nurses are getting through the pandemic, helping their patients any way they can. Another site that's obvious in the ICUs, other than the proning, is the phone numbers and stats and notes that are sharpied on patient windows. Uh, we also used uh, windows into the rooms to communicate a lot. So um, we sort of used them as dry erase boards. Um, we all got very good at writing backwards to one another uh, so that the person inside the room could you know, write to us and then we could you know, write back to them to you know, help preserve PPE so people didn't have to keep changing just to come out of the room and have sort of a simple conversation. These are some of the little ways doctors have adapted even as they're trying to improve their treatments, keep people safe, and keep themselves sane too. At one point when I was in the LIJ ICU, a doctor was checking on a patient who'd been on a ventilator for 15 days. Again, that means the person was sedated, on a feeding tube, knocked out for 15 days. The doctor was repeating, wake up, sir, and leaning over him. The man seemed caught in the same limbo as other patients in COVID units, but as we walked out of the room, the doctor was smiling. The patient wasn't needing as much oxygen from the ventilator as he had before. I'm so happy, the doctor said. But soon she was less optimistic again, talking about what would happen if people continued gathering for the holidays, and how that would mean hospitals would be overwhelmed, and patients like that recovering man would get less unobstructed care. This is how Dr. Narasimhan put it, after months of overseeing hospital response through the pandemic day-to-day -day life for the doctors and nurses in the COVID ICU is um, watching relatively young people still get very, very sick um, on ventilators for long periods of time. Um, we still don't have great therapies that are that seem to be making a huge difference. And I think the level of burnout and frustration with this disease that we are unable to um, cure is, I think, uh, showing itself. Uh, people are definitely um, uh, I would say war tired just of doing of fighting this battle now for six months.